What have we learned about Heidi? But cockroaches were the least of her problems. Heidi had to fight for every opportunity. You know, Heidi is, even though she's very kind of sweet and innocent. Heidi wanted out of the slum, and her agent wasn't doing enough. Oh, my God, they moved Heidi right next to me now. Although Heidi seems serene. She is, she's a bit naughty. She uses an ancient folk remedy to help calm her down. Heidi is back. Friday, everybody. Heidi Glaus here with Josh Gilbert, Connor over on the board, and I hope you're having a fantastic day so far. Got to tell you, we've got a uh, pretty fun show planned. As you know, Mike Ward is here every Friday, and we're going to talk about a couple of my favorite wines. I didn't even know that they came from this famous winemaker, but Mike Ward will Tell us all about them, and these are wines that you can find at most Deerbergs in the uh, Bob's Barn section. We'll also check in with Alex Stone and the moon landing. Was it a success? What are we trying to do with that in the 3 o'clock? You know, this is, uh, when I say this, February is Heart Health Month, Heart Awareness Month. There's a specific name for it. Uh, I think it's Heart Health Month. Is that what the uh, actual? We do KTRS Red here. Yeah, and I remember the commercials. Is okay, okay. Heart well, Health Month. What I would like to point out is we constantly think about adults and heart disease, but kids and congenital heart defects. And we're going to talk to a, a young woman about just that. She was born with a congenital heart defect, and what does that mean for her life going forward? And then the really cool thing that she has started, and she's only a freshman in high school. We'll also check in with ABC News' M. Wynn. The South Carolina primary is this weekend. Uh, Donald Trump and Nikki Haley are going to go head-to-head in a debate. What is? can we expect with that? Well, we'll find out. And... She is polling below him in her mm-hmm. home state, but she has decided to stay in. She said earlier this week, I'm not, I'm not dropping out. Yeah. And she had said after the Iowa and the New Hampshire primaries, she said, look, why would I drop out when only two states have voted? Right. You know? There's still a lot of time. There's a lot of time left. Mm-hmm. So we'll see if the polls are correct and if she gets completely wiped out in her own home state. I saw Melissa McCarthy doing an interview the other day, and I think she was promoting that old er movie, The Genie, that ha- like it happened over. This is an older interview. It, was that like November, December? The, I don't... the Genie? Yeah. Anyway, she was asked if, you know, the Genie popped out of the bottle, what would she wish for? And I thought her answer was so smart. She wished that she should could go back 
and like see different people in her life, like her mother in high school or see to get a different perspective. So I thought if that genie appeared at your house, what would you wish for? And I want you guys to weigh in on the Woods Basement Systems text line 84126. I mean, are you asking for money? Are you asking for things? Are you asking for a moment in time? Would you ask to go back and have one more conversation with your grandma? Is it is it bad to say money? I, it's up to you. Is that bad? But um, I was thinking, like, I always wish that you know, I could go back now and ask my grandma or my great aunt and uncle a couple more questions since I'm older about their life or even how they met and fell in love because I don't know that I got that story. I think that this question should be posed and say that um, financial or um, monetary stuff should be off the table. No, because that kind of pulls back a layer of what's important to you. You would rather go for the big check than to have that moment in time. That makes the question even more important. Going back to... And, and again, this sounds terrible. Oh, this is a good one. Talk um, to my dog for 20 minutes. That is okay. to find out what <laughs> they're thinking. My, That's a good okay. one. But when the 20 minutes is up, you haven't been asking for a billion dollars is going to transform asking for $100,000. You get out of debt. You pay off your house. You know, you're able to afford college for your kids. You're going to trade that to be able to talk to your dog for 20 minutes? It's what's important to people. <laughs> I I don't know that I'm I, – I would not – Health care for all your health, loved ones? Somebody says great health. Um, you know what that – You know what that costs? That costs money. Peaceful debt. Not if you're – that's what you're asking for. Can which, the genie you know, make me saves money. Yeah. To be able to see my mom and dad again and meet their grandkids, Uh, that's from Lance. I would want a a do-over as a parent. As a teacher, I spent more time taking care of other people's kids and grading other people's kids' homework instead of being present in the moment with my own children who are now adults. Every day, every year is a lesson, and I think that's what this is kind of leaning into a little bit. I think we could just get... More fun answers, more honest. So far, answers. nobody on here has said, said money. money. You're the only one that has said that so well, far. Maybe that says a lot more about me. In the stories, doesn't the genie always twist your wish? Like, well, oh, money. Yeah. And then he gives you, you drown in gold coins or something. That's the monkey paw, yeah. right? Well, I mean, you never know. You ask for money, then you're like a Scrooge that, you yeah, know, you're, all you have is the money. Yeah. So you would choose the money over good health? I think with money I could I could buy pretty good health care. <laughs> you can't fix well, the an genie, inoperable cancer. Does the genie let me live to be, you know, no. a thousand? No. I mean, if that's your request. 
You're, but not that, if you right. have you're requesting that or well, the money. Here's here's Connor's monkey paw. I want to be a thousand years old, and then like for the next nine hundred years, I'm like really old and bedridden or something. Right? You know? Yeah. Well, be you terrible. don't you don't get to put all the asterisks. It's a, a simple. I'd go back to fix the one thing that changed my life, which was yeah. Now I want to know more, 618. Well, don't give out their phone number because they I, might. I said 618. <laughs> they might not share. There's a lot of people. This sounds juicy. Yeah. We won't, we won't share your name or your phone number. Hmm. Tell us what the one mistake was. Uh, interesting, I think, what people are saying. If I could go back to meet my grandparents who I never knew, I would love to spend a day with them. Otherwise, to have my family summer barbecue when I was a kid, with all those uh, have passed, just to appreciate what we had one more time. Yeah, I mean, I think those are all valuable things, and I kind of agree as could far I, as that goes. Could I wish that all cancer was eradicated? Sure. From now until forever? That would be a nice one. But are you. For everyone. Here's, here's my question to you Are you trying to. Do that so that you look better because your real answer was money. Yeah. So you're only saying that now for face value. Well, I'm I'm trying to to, I mean, does the genie give me time to really think about this? You know. Well. End of all wars forever. Would that be an option? Could I do that? You can do whatever you want, Josh. Right? I can. I get the money. I I understand. I mean, you know, it really it, it would really help makes the world go round yeah. uh, for better or for worse. I don't know here. I, I would say, yes, money makes a lot of things easier, but you can look at so many families that have millions of dollars and on the outside, it looks really cool. But guaranteed there are family issues, and the more money you have, I'm going to say, the more heartache and issues you have with a lot of that. And that's something I think you have to take into consideration. Somebody said they'd wish for five more wishes. Uh, no, that's illegal. That, yeah, that's the elite. That's illegal. That's illegal. It oh, yeah. Okay. Somebody said true happiness. It's escaped me my whole life. My heart hurts for you. Uh, if you want to see... That money does not fix all things. Watch the stories of the people that win the lottery and see what happens to them. I don't think money made their lives worse. I think that they probably had something going on either internally or externally that money exacerbated. You know, well, I think right now, well, I'll just say this. 42 years on this earth, if me and my wife came into... A ridiculous amount of money. I think we would we would be humble enough to know what to do. I would worry about my kid becoming a jerk. And that would be that's that's a worry for me. Growing up like that, because I know what it's like not to have. But if you grow up having everything you want, but I think even that, and I don't know how you grew up, but I knew know that your parents did the same thing that mine did. They were teachers 
it wasn't that you went without. Maybe you didn't have everything that you wanted, oh, but yeah, you're still no, really no. lucky. Well, I'm not saying I rags to riches. I'm just saying that I know what it's like to not have, you know. Yeah, rags to nicer rags. Right. Yeah. Right. Nicer rags to to regular I guess maybe right? we should repose this question as to just simple things we're grateful for because I think sometimes we forget all of the things that we have instead of maybe the many things we don't. Uh, all criminals, past, present, future, erased from existence, living in a crime-free society would be wonderful. I would want one last hug from the love of my life who died suddenly. Oh, yeah. Uh, to request more time, better time. Would you want to go back and do it all over again? My life? Mm-hmm. Um, Starting as a baby. I don't or think which, so. Which, where would you like to pick back up again? I'm enjoying my moment. Okay. All right. Say you had to go back and 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 start again. What period of time would you want to start? Like, I don't necessarily think I want to be a baby again, but if I could redo seventh grade on. No. I think that'd be kind of fun. I don't. <laughs> I, Knowing again, what I know now? N- no. No? Uh-uh. Okay. I uh, am enjoying exactly where I am. And I, I don't know that I would have done too much differently leading up to things, but I will say, you know, fifth, sixth, seventh grade was, those were really hard times for me. I would not want to live in that moment again. High school, maybe. Freshman, sophomore, junior year, not my senior year. College was fun, but I think that the way the world is today I don't want to go through those Man, ages you? with social media and everything. I think it was hard enough before would you all of that. Grow up right now? No. In this time period, me neither. Yeah. So I'm just I happy to have the day today and where we live. So. As I mentioned, we got lots of uh, fun stuff to talk about. We'll talk to a teenager. See how life is for her coming up in just a couple minutes. But keep the uh, the wishes coming here on the Woods Basement Systems text line 84126. We'll take a short break and then back with more here on the Heidi Glass Show with Josh Gilbert on the Big 550 KTRS. February is American Heart Month, and, you know, often we just talk about adults and heart attacks and heart disease, but nearly one of every 110 babies is born with a congenital heart defect, and Lila Oki is one of those babies. She's now a freshman at Webster Groves High School, and she is here to tell us a little bit about her. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thank you. So by looking at you, nobody would know that you were born with any kind of heart defects. So what does that look like and what did you have to overcome? Yeah, so most people really don't know um, unless they know my family or unless I've really told them. 
Um, or I guess if you pull out all the pictures and say, right. look at me. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I am, I've become pretty open about it now that I'm older. Um, but I was born with something called pulmonary atresia, and that required that I had to, I had to have my first open heart surgery pretty soon after I was born. So I believe I was about 10 days old. Whoa. Yeah. So you don't remember that, but I bet your mom and dad can tell you all the stories of how scared yeah. they were. Yeah, because I've had three open heart surgeries so far. Um, and lots of other cardiac procedures, but most of the big stuff was when I was really young, so I really don't remember most of it. Um, but I always have kind of felt a little different from my peers, and then only like I started noticing it more um, in the past few years as I've gotten older, um, especially with the fact that you know most of my friends are very active, they participate mm-hmm. in a lot of sports, and I want to do physical they I want to do physical activities with them. But um, it's sometimes hard to keep up. Yeah. Are you allowed to participate with basketball or soccer and you can go out and run? Or do they kind of put, you know, things and say, well, you really shouldn't do that because. Yeah, I have the freedom to do that stuff. It's just kind of harder. And it makes me feel like it made me feel pretty um, self-conscious, like realizing that I couldn't always keep up. Yeah, I get that. How common is what you were born with? So I'm pretty sure, like you said, the statistic is 100. Um, 100 babies are born with some sort of heart defect. Mm-hmm. Um, but the severity kind of ranges. Not all um, babies will need surgery for what they have, but I did. Um, but since then, uh, science has grown a lot, and I've been told that if I do need a repair sometime in the future, they won't need to go in and do an open-heart surgery, and they can fix it in another way. Oh, that's exciting. Yeah. So how often do you think? think about it i mean are you just out and about with your friends and it never crosses your mind that you know you were born with a heart defect yeah i feel like right around sixth or seventh grade is when i started thinking about it like a lot um but in this past year i mean it's in the back of my mind but i've become more comfortable like with my friends um especially after i mentioned to my cardiologist how i felt and how i couldn't really keep up she recommended i start a cardiac rehab program to help out with my stamina. Um, So I went, I think it was 12 weeks over the summer. I went three times a week and just worked on my, like building up my stamina. Um, And through that process, I realized not only could I now keep up with my peers, but um, that, you know, you're just like any other kid. Right. I mean, there is nothing else. So I found you because I reached out to Becky Ortel, who is mm-hmm. a friend of both of ours. She's the co-founder of Mighty Oaks Heart mm-hmm. Foundation, a not-for-profit that helps heart families find comfort and relief and both financial and emotional support. And she said, I don't want to do an interview. I want you to talk to this amazing teenager because not only have you, you know, rebounded and here you are and you're a typical teenager you have started a group called pulse and tell me what that is yeah so during that cardiac rehab program um i got to know the cardiologist i was working with very well uh one the cardiologist who runs the program his name is dr Orr. um but really it's been an idea in my brain over the years that you know most like activities that are for heart patients are either adults or or little kids. There's not a whole lot of community around right. my age group. Um, so I brought it up to him that, hey, you know, I feel like that is needed. And he said that he's always been wanting to bring his cardiac patients together. Um, so I reached out to Becky since we were kind of friends. 
Um, and she said, I'm in. I'll yeah. help you. So we get funding. She's a pretty cool human, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah. So they, they help with funding? Yeah. And so what kind of things do you guys do? Yeah, so Dr. Ward, the cardiologist, and a few other people from the cardiac, like cardiology community are the chaperones since, you know, all the kids were born with some sort of heart defect. But our first meeting was mainly just like an icebreaker thing to get to know everybody. Um, But we've done, we went to the Heart Walk in October. We did bowling uh, this month for um, CHD Awareness Week. We decorated little heart cookies and we had a personal... Um, fitness training class. Cool. Yeah. So how many teenagers do you now know that have some sort or were born with some sort of heart defect? Um, Every year I go to a camp called Camp Rhythm, and there's a whole lot of other kids there that I can relate to, um, but there was never a lot of um, community outside of that camp. Yeah. But now through the Pulse, we've got about, I think including myself, maybe nine people that show up. outside of camp some of them go to camp some of them don't but we all can build a community yeah which is really nice i was gonna say what does that community mean to you in the pandemic i had a procedure and i hadn't had one in a really long time you know most of them were when i was young so i didn't remember what it was going to be like um i was able to get my questions answered from my parents and my healthcare team but i really wanted someone that i could talk to that could understand what i was fearing what I was thinking. Um, and so that that's the main part is trying to like build that community so that way people can relate to each other yeah. and be able to ask those questions or have those thoughts together. Well, and to know somebody that's gone through right. something similar where exactly. you can kind of say, oh my gosh, was this not the worst? Or how about that? That wasn't that bad. Yeah. You know. Well, if somebody is listening, if they have a child that has gone through something like you, how do they learn more about Pulse? You can email uh, my Pulse email. It is um, thepulsemeetup at gmail.com. Um, and I can I usually send out a flyer to any new parents or guardians or teenagers that reach out. Um, and once we get in contact, you're welcome to come to the next meeting that we're planning. That is so cool. Uh, Lila, you are a remarkable teenager. Keep up the great work. And thank you for sharing your story with us. Thank you. through things today i saw an interesting story a mom says kids can buy their late dad's things at her yard sale now tell me what you think about this on the woods basement systems text line 84126 i guess a widow is finally starting to move on and for two years she's been saying come get whatever you want of dad's stuff well, they haven't shown up. <laughs> and so now she's like, all right, I'm having a yard sale. It's all going up. Come I love and it. purchase it. I love it. If you want. So, I mean, these are adult children between the ages of 25 and 31. What do you think about this? I if, There's a couple of things here that I want to touch on, but first and foremost... She said, come over and get this stuff, uh-huh. and they didn't. So I think this is this is something my mom would do. It's kind of tough love. 
I think the kids will eventually get a hold of it. But what would happen if dad dies and mom decides to sell some of his things that are are worth something? And maybe they also have sentimental value to the kids, but they're worth real dollars. Or how about this? Mom dies and dad sells her rings. Oh, for money, for uh-uh. cash. Uh-uh. I mean, technically speaking, who has ownership of that stuff, the kids or or the spouse that's left, you know? Yeah. I just, I took it into a weird place, but I think that that's probably something that's happened before. Oh, guaranteed that, you know? that has happened. Yeah. It's like if, if dad had a, a Corvette that he loved. You know, mm-hmm. so, yeah, I mean, that'd be a that'd be a tough one. Mom's like, you know what? I want to go on a, a couple of cruises. So mm-hmm. she sells the Corvette and the kids are like, Mom, we want that. And it's like, well, then you buy it. Right. Because She would rather have the cash. And frankly, he loved that thing more than he ever loved her. Really. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said, absolutely. Someone else at first, I said, BS. But now that you've explained it, I have given her a little more credit for charging them. She gave them ample opportunity. Plenty of time to yeah. come over and get it. They mm. didn't. They didn't. And then I wonder, though, if she uh, really marks it up <laughs> or she gives them a decent discount if that's what they want. This is interesting, too. And I don't know that this bothers me, but uh, a woman, I guess, was staying at a hotel, and the hotel's website for um, for room service. I can't find my words. I guess it said chef-driven menu featuring original artisan food. Well, this guest stumbled upon a freezer somewhere mm-hmm. in the hotel with prepackaged meals from Trader Joe's. Oh. <laughs> and so she's saying, what? Her expensive room service was actually a frozen Trader Joe's dinner. Now, do you care if you enjoyed it that you were kind of misled or... And how often do you think that happens? I mean, I think that happens all the time. I worked at several restaurants that everything that they had there was frozen stuff that they bought from Costco. I mean, it's just kind of the way it is. Yeah. So, I mean, if you think they're making everything fresh, made to order, especially for, for room service... I don't know, man. <laughs> I mean, is it the good Trader Joe's stuff? Is it? Well, I will say the picture of the pasta looked delicious, yeah, but I mean, it could have just been that good, I was hungry. If it's good, you know, right? What's the problem? And French fries? You think every restaurant right. is, is? You think they're slicing the potatoes? Slicing fresh? potatoes? Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Um, going back to the mom putting the things up for sale at the yard sale. Two years is long enough for an adult children to share dad's things. It sounds like they don't care either way. So I'd say go for it. Everything belongs to the surviving spouse. How about the remaining spouse remarried and gives it to the new one if we're talking about a ring? Now, do they tell the new one that it was the old one's ring? 
Or after mom dies, dad finds somebody else and gives mom's jewelry to the new wife. That that's that'd be that'd be see, tough. That's even worse because yeah. it's not like dad just wanted the cash. Mm-hmm. Now he's giving sentimental things to yeah random people. Well, it's why you better have that conversation, is what I think. Is far as all of that goes you know um i hate talking about losing people because this year we lost a i guess it was last year a a true in my opinion treasure i mean just a a savvy businesswoman a woman with a heart of gold and i'm talking about pat blassie over at altair travel and she you know passed on this fantastic business to her daughter angie and granddaughter Haley, and they thankfully were able to learn under Pat for so many years because Pat really, I mean, she started this business and she not only took it to the, you know, top of the top. I mean, it's one of the best travel agencies in the Midwest and probably the country, but Altair Travel and Cruises, they do things a a little differently. And I think, you know, when you're talking about this immediately, if you've never used a travel agency, you probably think, oh, it's going to cost me more to do that. And that's not the case because they have so many different uh, vendors that they work with, with, you know, whether it's airlines or resorts, they really can, other tour companies, like they've teamed up with Colette. I mean, they really have all of these things at their fingertips where they can make your next vacation or trip cheaper than you could do it by going online. And the best part about that is they also then handle any issue that would come up. So basically you just get to anticipate all of the fun and the excitement and then make those memories when you're there. That's one of the many reasons you should make Altair Travel your first phone call. And you can do that 314-968-9600. You can also go to altairtravel.com. Check out some of the featured destinations. See what is... uh, Coming up as far as group travel, you will not be disappointed when you work with Altair Travel and Cruises. South Carolina primary is tomorrow. Um, M. Wynn, ABC News correspondent in Washington, joins us with a little uh, look behind the scenes of that. I mean, this is going to be interesting because there's actually going to be a debate between former President Trump and Nikki Haley. What do we know? Right. So at this time, there is a lot at stake in South Carolina's primary. It's going to be here in less than 24 hours. It's very crucial for the former governor there, Nikki Haley. It is her home turf. And what happens may make or break her campaign. The thing is, she has to stay competitive. And if she does, it can finally help propel her to March 5th, Super Tuesday. Remember, Haley has won twice in the state for governor, but her campaign has admitted that if she cannot win, tomorrow or even keep it close it's going to be a very difficult road ahead for her the thing is there is speculation that potentially she may drop out after uh south carolina if she doesn't get the percentage points that she is hoping for but certainly time and time again she has said on the campaign trail that she will be sticking around no matter what until at least super tuesday are there any speaking of super tuesday are there any states maybe out west, maybe up north, where Nikki Haley is beating Donald Trump in early polls? So as of right now, it looks as if Haley is just not quite getting there when it when it comes to trying to uh, beat Donald Trump in any of these 
States, uh, really South Carolina was her best bet. She was having a very close um, uh, close competition with Donald Trump right after the Iowa caucus when we took a look at South Carolina polls. But now that gap has only uh, grown. So it's not looking good for her. You know, lately she has been on the attack against Trump. She has called him unhinged. She's really trying to push the idea that Trump cannot win in a general election against uh, President Joe Biden. You know, he has lost before. The polls right now show that Biden would win if Trump and he had another matchup in November. But if, you know, if it were between her and Biden, polls show that she would be winning against Biden. So that's really her talking point right now. Still, she is trailing Donald Trump by about 30 percentage points in recent polls for South Carolina. So it is her home state. It's not looking good for her. Why do you think it is that Nikki Haley is beating Joe Biden in national polls, yet she cannot gain traction with the party? A big part of that is age, frankly, because so many people have been pushing back, even Democrats pushing back on Joe Biden because he's 81 years old, because many people believe he is incompetent in terms of his age. And, you know, four years down the line, if he were to continue to be president, he would then be aging even more so. So when people are looking at Nikki Haley, they believe she is a fresh start in terms of an older, more traditional Republican life. And so they're also looking at the economy. They're also looking at the border. They're looking at these certain topics, these certain issues that are big this year, uh, that they think that she could potentially turn things around. And that's something they believe that someone like Trump, because there are many uh, supporters for Trump right now, um, that that's something they don't quite uh, judge him on as much as Biden, even though their age is only just a few years between the two. Hmm. Interesting to say the least. And it'll be, uh, I guess, fun probably isn't the right word, but uh, it, it, it won't be boring to watch tomorrow. Right. And, you know, there's one other thing I want to mention really quickly, which may make a big impact tomorrow. South Carolina uniquely has no party registration and Republicans hold an open primary. So that means independents and Democrats who didn't cast their ballots on February 3rd. Um, there was only about, uh, I think, like 126,000 people who did cast their ballots. So that means there's going to be a lot more people who would be eligible to vote on Saturday. So while Haley hasn't called directly for non-Republicans to vote for her, she has made it a big point to tell her audiences, to tell voters out there about the open primary rules. So it's clear she's going to be kind of depending on those independents and potentially even Democrats who want to give her a boost in South Carolina. We'll have to watch closely for that. Em, in years past, have voters really come out or has it been low uh, turnout percentages? Right. So voters have come out in South Carolina. My understanding is the last time this came around in 2020, this was about, I think, about 500,000 voters. My understanding so far in the early voting is it's been about 217,000 early votes so far in the two-week span that there has been early voting. So we're expecting to see a lot of people tomorrow. But again, anything could happen. I mean, a lot is banking on this for Haley. And if she just does not win or if she does not keep the competition close, this could be the end for her. You know, I notice that primaries are, are really about um, kind of the the fringest parts of the group. And that's why it, it does get a little weird 
when you win a primary, but you can't win a general election. You get blown out. When you ask independents, are there any polls out there that just asked independents in South Carolina who they want as far as Trump versus Haley? You know, that's very nuanced. I'm not entirely clear exactly what the percentage may be. We do know that some voters have told us here at ABC News they understand whether or not they are in favor of Haley, that it's going to be really tough for her to stay alive, but they really do want her to continue this race. She's the only person standing in the way of Donald Trump getting the nomination. So for those who, you know, there's a good number of Republicans who don't want Donald Trump to be the next nominee. So there's those people are saying she should continue to try because the prospect of Trump or even of Biden in the White House is, quote, really scary. Those are their words of the people we've been talking to. Voters find that these two people, Trump and Biden, may be too old or too incompetent. But there are those other Republican voters in South Carolina who may have been independents in the past. They feel as if Haley abandoned them for national politics years ago. And that's just another challenge for Haley for tomorrow. All right. And when we'll just wait and watch. Thanks for your report. Thanks so much. I don't know about you when I walk into a bathroom and I, I see like dirty grout. I was looking at this thing the other day of like red flags that. Oh. It's, and one of them was like no hand soap in the bathroom or. But I don't want to be judgy. But if I see really dirty grout somewhere, I'm like, mm, do I want to really, you know, have that dip that they just made now? It's grout, but it's easy to fix thanks to the Grout Medic. They can restore tile and grout to almost new, and they can do it at a fraction of the cost to replace it. I mean, they can clean it, both the tile and the grout. They can also repair the tile, which sometimes if you see chip tile, you just kind of think, well... That's done. It's going to cost me a fortune to do this, but they can fix it and match the tile. If you have that tile on hand, they can also recommend uh, replacement tile. As far as that goes, they can re-caulk. It's really a easier way to make your bathroom or your kitchen or anywhere that you have uh, tile look so much better. Now, each job is unique, and Matt with the Groutmatic provides an estimate for the most cost-efficient solution. Uh, and depending on the job, one or two techs come out to the house. Most jobs uh, only last a day, maybe two if it's a big job. But again, they can report repair any tile, whether it be on the floor, on the wall, on the counter, and all types of tile, marble, traditional, natural stone. So if you're looking around the house and you're like, gosh, this little uh, chip over here has been driving me crazy, the Grout Medic of St. Louis can help. You can learn more, groutmedicstl.com. You can call the Grout Medic, 636-317-8860, and be sure to mention myself or KTRS during the estimate, and you'll receive 10% off any of the services that you need. Again, groutmedicstl.com. Coming up, Mike Ward joins us to talk about a couple of my favorite wines. Our headlines for this Friday afternoon, February 23rd, Italian market on the hill looks to expand. De Gregorio's Italian market at the corner of Marconi and Daggett Avenues in the Italian neighborhood looking to expand on the property next to it. Now, in order to do that, the family-owned uh, market says that they 
have two houses owned by John DeGregorio, a member of the family that owns the market, and those would have to be demolished. So we'll wait and see. Hmm. A new survey of 2,000 registered voters has laid bare that 7 in 10 Americans lack basic knowledge of how the government works. Here are the things that they ask questions about. Three branches of government. Mm -hmm. Do you know the answer to that? How many members of the Supreme Court are there? Do you know the answer to that? Only 3 out of 10 of Americans answered correctly and confidently enough. And that is causing some people to be pretty scared. Here's another one. How many members are in the House of Representatives? And there's 100 senators. Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer to this. Not sure. 200 and... Isn't it uh, 350? I mean, I'm going to say... Look at us all just... I'm not sure. The number that pops in my head is 435. For everything or for... For just the House. And then the senators is another 100... And then there's, you know, just... For some the, reason, I was taking 241. But I, I thought have, the website 538 is... That's, that's ad, what I thought. ...adds them up. So it'd be 438, right? Or, or plus, no. yeah, Plus 100, 538. What about well, I the, think we're proving this correct. Exactly. <laughs> so is what we're doing. We are in the seven... I mean, I could answer some of them right, but I'm not, I'm not confident I would even... Executive, judicial... Uh, legislative, right? Right. Those yeah. three I got. Which branch makes makes the laws? Legislative. Legislative branch, right. right? Congress holds the purse strings. That's another one. But you know, when you if you sat down and gave me a, a pencil Whew, and said, "Take to this sweat test," doing this live on the radio. <laughs> Oak Street right, well, I'll Inn. Stop, I'll stop asking. And Lounge will have a cafe, restaurant, and speakeasy when it opens in Cottaville this spring. This looks really cool. And Cottaville is becoming a hot spot in our region, ranked as one of the safest towns in Missouri. A quaint town of 5,000 has a really diverse range of dining and drinks. It's a historic building downtown that once housed the general store and post office. Oak Street Inn and Lounge will have a rooftop patio. An upscale restaurant on the main level, a speakeasy in the basement, eight hotel rooms, and a breakfast cafe. The rooftop patio, hotel, and Pink Willow are slated to open by late March or early April. The other amenities will open shortly after. What a fun place. Now, McGraw is the Cottleville go-to, at least here at the Big 550. So I texted him. I was at Menino's getting some steaks the other day. And I said, hey, what's this big blue building they're they're putting up right here? And he said, a speakeasy and a and b Yep. And I was like, wow. How about that? That sounds like fun. And because of the excessive rainfall in California, a temporary lake is giving folks a chance to kayak in the driest place in the United States, Badwater Basin had de- has developed in Death Valley. It's the lowest elevation in North America at 282 feet below sea level, and normally it's dry as a bone. But with these rains that are going on out in California, we can talk to Alex Stone about those. Uh, he's going to join us at the end of this hour. You can go swimming and go kayaking in Death Valley. Wow. But it's only temporary, so get while the getting's good because it'll be dry as a bone again probably come summer. Well, we're going to talk to Mike Ward about some delicious wines, but going back to Oak Street Inn and Lounge, you know, if they have to kind of redo this old house, one of the things that invites people in 
the door, the front door. It's so important. And Dalco Home Remodeling custom makes their doors and windows. And even better, they do it right here in Missouri. Not only do the front doors, they do sliding doors, they do French doors. You name a door, they can do it. They also, uh, as I mentioned, do windows, energy-saving vinyl replacement windows. So every project at Dalco Home Remodeling is handled uh, with care, and they really make sure that you know they they're talking to customers to make sure that they're getting it right. They want you to be happy, and they won't be finished until you are. Dalco is celebrating 50 years in business, and you can learn more. DalcoHomeRemodeling.com. You know their slogan. I mean, it's been the same since they started for 50 years ago. If you buy somewhere else and find out how much you could have saved at Dalco, you'll blow your stack. So... Don't blow your stack. Just make Dalco your very first phone call, 314-298-7300. Again, DalcoHomeRemodeling.com. Up next, Mike Ward. Well, it is one of my favorite topics. We're once again talking wine with Mike Ward. Ward on wine. We took a little break. We were talking bourbon. We talked a little whiskey. We talked scotch last week. But we are back to my favorite wine, and we are uh, talking about wines from Copper Cane Wines made by Joe Wagner. These are some of my favorites, and I had no idea they came from Joe Wagner. Yeah, and I love to get back to wine and some of my favorites, too. I love these wines. That Quilt Cabernet from Napa Valley is just such a fantastic wine. Well, and what I love, all of these are pretty um, prevalent at Deerberg's and uh, Bob's Barn. But the one that always sticks out to me and is probably the top of my list when it comes to Pinot's is the Belle Gloss. And it's you know it. Everybody knows it because it has that red waxy like drip right. it's not easy to open well there is a nice little tab uh-huh. the first bottle might be a little easier than the second hey, bottle okay good point good point i've been in that situation before. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the wine maker joe wagner a fifth generation napa valley winemaker i mean he's legendary he is and people might know his father chuck and and camus winery in napa valley and so chuck and his family have been making wine in napa since the 1960s and 70s when napa wasn't like it is today and then chuck's children this is what i love I love talking about these wines because they're all, like, family-connected. Yeah. So a family maker makes all their wines. So Chuck makes Camus wines. And then Joe is the son who created the Mayomi brand, Pinot Noir, from the Central Coast. And uh, and then that's been sold to a different company. So and then Joe's brother makes Chardonnay and his sister makes wine so as well. So it's a family. everybody is right. making wine. Joe has these stories about being a little kid. And they're out playing in the yard. Well, the yard just happened to be, you know, some of the best Cabernet Sauvignon grapes in uh, in Napa Valley. So he has been around wine and vines and grapes for his entire life and is a great winemaker as well. So when you grow up like that and you're in that environment, you really know what you're doing yeah. when you make these wines. It's almost uh, in your blood. Yeah. As oh, yeah. far as that goes. Well, let's start with the uh, Quilt Cabernet. How do you describe it? What are the notes? Well, first of all, Quilt it kind of describes 
how the vineyards look. If you're driving through oh. Napa Valley or flying over Napa Valley, you see this pattern that looks like a quilt because the vineyards are very distinct. And that's and where kind the of name square. comes from. That's where the name comes from. It's like, uh, you know, you, you don't think about, oh, well, is it come from one single vineyard or does it come from this area or that area? It's sourced from multiple locations. But Joe, like his dad, has grown up to know that Napa is a great place to grow grapes, Cabernet Sauvignon particularly well there. And while, you know, Napa cabs are kind of big and bold and mm-hmm. have a lot of flavor to them, what I like about this one is it's a little softer, a little more approachable. You don't have to age it for 10, 15 years. Don't, you don't need to do that at all. In fact, it comes with a screw cap, which I love. Yeah. You can open it up. It does need some air. needs to breathe and get, you know, 30 minutes or so, an hour or a couple hours, if you can, of of decanting. And then you're going to have this great wine with lots of fruit-forward flavors and spice to it that's going to pair with those steaks and everything you just came from the meat counter at Deerberg's, yeah. and then you go in the, into Bob's Barn and get the quilt, you're going to have a great dinner over the weekend. Okay, let's talk about my favorite Pinot Noir, the Belle Gloss that has the, that is wax, right? It is, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Do you know why they do the wax? Well, I, with this wine, because it's named after his grandmother, okay. Lorna Belle Gloss, and this is more like a single vineyard wine. They have this one that I brought today is Dairyman, which is a vineyard in Russian River and Sonoma. But the rest of the wines come from very specific places in the central coast. And so, you know, with, with this one they're trying to tell you it's a little bit more of an elegant Pinot Noir. There, it's, it's a little more flavor to it. It's not a light Pinot Noir. But I think they want to show you with the wax top that this is uh, more of a handcrafted wine. Got you. And then... Elawan, yes. That's more of a, I was going to say, one that you could drink every evening for dinner. Well, no? yeah, and the grapes are grown many miles north of Napa in Oregon. So this is an Oregon Pinot Noir. And I think that's what's so distinct when we look at these two Pinot Noir side by side. Belle Gloss from the Russian River, which is part of Sonoma, kind of big, bold wine with a lot of spice to it. Oregon, a little bit of a cooler climate, is going to be more like a French Pinot Noir, maybe. Well, and Oregon is kind of known for Pinot Noirs, no? It is. Oh, yeah. It absolutely is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do they they ship the grapes, the Pinot Noir grapes from Oregon into Napa and make the wine on site, or? That is such a great question. And they used to when they originally started, and now Joe's got a facility in Oregon. Oregon. Because you're best off, especially with Pinot Noir, that is a a tough grape to grow and kind of a finicky grape. You you know, you need to treat it right. It's got to be made there Well, and if it traveled, could you bruise it, and could you? There's ways that you can transport grapes and wine, but you got to be careful. Somebody from the 314, why did I give up wine for Lent? I don't uh, know. That is not, mm, wasn't no. even a thought for me. Really Sundays are a free day. I think. That's Can't right. Can't you go back right. on Sundays? And, yeah. There are only 30 days and nights left. You know um, what? We'll keep some for you. Go with it. We'll, there'll yeah. be wine yeah, right. there for there'll you when you're done. plenty left at Deerberg's right. when you're finished. Yeah. Um, when it comes to California wines, is Cabernet Sauvignon, is that the, the king, the king of California wines? And uh, if so, when you look at Pinot Noirs, do they take a backseat when we talk wines? 
Not necessarily. Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Cabernet, top growing grape varieties in California. And why is that? Because it tastes great. They make a lot of money with those grapes because everybody likes them. Those are easy grapes to grow if you're planting a, a vineyard. But yet it's dependent on location. You can't pl- plant and grow Cabernet in the same place that you grow Pinot Noir and Chardonnay. So you have to look for those locations that have the climate appropriate for those grapes. You're just talking about all the rain mm-hmm. recently in California. That's going to have an effect on this year's uh, um, harvest and the grapes from this year. It might have a good effect, so we'll see. It's a little early right now. Things aren't starting out in the vineyard, but you do look at it. some rain is good, but rain can also be too much. Oh, I don't know that we've ever talked about this before. When we see the the year, the vintage, is it like 2021 quilt right here? Is that the year the grapes were grown? Is that the year the grapes were bottled? Is that what does the year actually stand for? In the Northern Hemisphere, oh, it's boy. the year the grapes are grown <laughs> and harvested. Okay. And in the Southern Hemisphere, it's it's a little bit different because the grapes will start growing and you know, it's the opposite. So the year is going to change. So they are right now uh, harvesting their 2024s, and those are going to come out pretty soon or in the summer or so. Okay. So, yes, the answer to your question is, you know, around March, April, bud break, we start to see the, 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 the vines wake up, and then we'll pick those grapes in September, October. That's the vintage year on, on the, the date of the picking of the grapes. Yeah. What can you use vintage year for what does it tell you? Does it tell you like, oh, I really liked this quilt from 2022. I should go out and try to find more 2022s, or am I going to like the quilt from 21, 20, 24 just as much? It has far less meaning now than it did 50 to 60, 70 years ago. Why sure. is that? Because of science? Well, yes, technology in winemaking, science of winemaking is different. Climate is different. Uh, we, you know, when we think about vintages that were important back in the old days when we talked about Bordeaux and Bordeaux, it's still important because the vintages are so different every year. You can have some rainy years, not so great. Dry years, things are much better. But when we talk about California wines, really don't worry about it too much. Yes, pay attention to it. Uh, but every year is pretty much good. There's good. There's better. You know, and, and like we talked about a few weeks ago, 2023 is going to be a great year. We won't know for a couple of years. But why do we think it will be? Because from start to finish for the whole growing season, everything was perfect and lined up. You didn't have any weird rain at a, at a weird time, frost or, uh, you know, rain at harvest. That's So always it's a, only if the winemaker, the human messes something up, this should be the best wine ever. That's right. Yeah. Human intervention can uh, mess up a wine. Not too much nowadays, you know, but, uh, you know, like small wineries, sure, mistakes can be made. Uh, But if you leave the grapes alone and you let them do it on their own, they're probably going to make you a really good wine. And that's minimal intervention is what you want. How uh, much does the color mean? Because I will say there are times where like I pour my cab and then I pour someone else a Pinot and it just seems so much lighter by the color. What does that tell us? Well, the skin of the grape 
is where the color is. Pinot Noir is a light skin grape, lighter tannins. And so it's not going to have the color pigmentation that you would find in a Cabernet. Cabernet, Cabernet and, and uh, Merlot and even Norton we talk about here in Missouri, mm-hmm. big kind of thick skins, a lot of color and to it. And that's what the, the color of the wine is. Yes, but I don't think people should equate that to I'm going to like it better than others. You know, yeah, Pinot Noir tastes lighter, but it goes so great with salmon and lighter foods. We're not always having steak every night. Maybe some people do, but, you know, that's that steak and Cabernet go so well together. Well, if you choose to have something light, a light seafood on a Friday Uh and you are drinking wine, that Cabernet is not going to go with that. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned Lent because Deerberg's, you know, you don't want to always go out to dinner. Maybe you just want to stay at home and pop that bottle of wine and curl up on the couch and watch a good uh, series. But you can swing by Deerberg's, and they have everything you could possibly imagine for Lent. I mean, Fish Fry Fridays during Lent from Deerberg's Kitchen. Why not? Because if you want something fried, well, you've got fried catfish, fried cod. You could do smoked salmon, shrimp. I mean, some of those, and there's so many varieties of shrimp, and you can get them already peeled with the tails off. You can get small ones. You can get jumbo shrimp. You got everything. And um, Deerberg's Rewards members uh, officially, see what I did there? Fish. Oh, officially. Earn reward points on all of the great Linton items. And the other thing that I know not everybody knows, because I didn't until just a couple of months ago, that Deerbergs will bake or steam your seafood free while you shop. So you just pick out your favorite fish, choose from over a dozen seasonings, and dinner is done before you even get home. Just don't forget to go to Bob's Barn and pick up the Napa Valley quilt well, or the Bill Gloss. Yeah. Quilt or the Chardonnay. Chardonnay. That As would well. be perfect with that seafood that yeah. they're cooking for you. But always uh, a great stop there at Deerberg's. We're talking wines, particularly uh, the Napa Valley Quilt, Cabernet, the Belle Gloss, Pinot Noir, the Elowan. Pinot from Oregon, but Liz has a question for us. If you have a Malbec, a Cab, a Merlot, and a Pinot Noir, and someone said, which is the sweetest, knowing none of them really are, how would you direct their best selection yes. for their palate? So when we talk about sweetness in those particular wines, are not sweet. They, they can be fruity, and that kind of equates sometimes people to sweetness. Mm-hmm. And think, would you also think lighter when somebody lighter. says sweeter? Yeah, so... Pinot Noir is going to be your lightest of those, mm-hmm. and it can be really fruity. Like when you're tasting it, you go, oh, it tastes like cherries and raspberries. None of those fruits are made, are added to the right. wine, of course. But when you're eating those fruits, there's sugar there, so you kind of think your mind gets messed up to think it's sweet. It's really a dry wine, no sugar, but light, yes. Light and fruity, Pinot Noir. Malbec is kind of lighter as well but a little bit more tannin, mm-hmm. but spicier, has yeah. some spice to it. And then Cabernet is going to be the big, bold, kind of almost bitter, tannic one that needs air. And then Merlot is also in the middle there somewhere. And grapes like Zinfandel and Syrah are also middle-of-the-road grapes, but spicy. So Pinot's kind of on the bottom, Cab's kind of on the top, and the rest are somewhere in between. Yeah. 
Think of like, I always tell people, think of like milk, skim milk, 2% whole milk. <laughs> and, and that's light, medium, and full-bodied, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what wine is too. Pinot, mm-hmm. Merlot, Cab, it's just lined up the same way. We learn something every single time you are here, Mike Ward. We enjoy it every single time. Remind people how they can get a hold of you. If they're like I am and I'm in the grocery store and I see something, I'm like, I don't know what this means because they can email you. Yeah, in a, in a few weeks, we're going to start thinking about those Easter pairings. So Ooh. email me at mike at wardonwine.com and I can kind of help you navigate Bob's Barn. And these wines, some of these wines would be perfect for Easter. Yeah. But if you're having ham, we'll get to that because we're going to talk about it in a few weeks, but I'll help you out. The 10 countries that drink the most wine by volume. And Mike they should Ward. all drink more. Mm-hmm. Right. Mike Ward, what's the number one country as far as wine consumption is concerned? Italy. No. This says that the United States is. Number one, 329 uh Millions of cases of wine yeah, in 2022. In the old days, it was Italy and France and Spain. And, France, and Italy. Production is high there. Right. But we that's right. And and uh, we should drink more. We're not drinking enough. <laughs> but I'm in that business safely, of course. Uh-huh. We and, need to work on and that a little Portugal, bit. And Portugal, which is a relatively small country, is number 10 on the list. And they do a good job of drinking their own wine yeah, and making a lot of their own wine and relying on their indigenous grape varieties. Do we kind of spread the love as Americans? Do we drink wines from everywhere or do we stick with California and Oregon? More than any other country, we drink everybody else's wine, including our own. And when you look at Europe, they drink not only their own country's wine mostly, but their own region, like their own oh, backyard. Oh, where they are. So if you are if you grow up in Bordeaux, that's what you're drinking, and you're probably not drinking, except for champagne, anybody else's wines. All right. Mike Ward, thank you so much. Cheers to you, my friends. Cheers. Josh, it looks like there's another attempt to end daylight saving time here in Missouri. Currently, 19 states, including our neighbors, Tennessee and Kentucky, have passed some laws. But daylight saving time arrives March 10th, and a House committee heard a bill yesterday that would stop the clock once and for all. If passed, it would align Missouri with a group of 19 other states intent on making the spring forward section of the year from March to November the permanent year-round time. So there is hope. That's what you've always wanted, right? Yes. I mean, it's not the only thing I've always wanted. Obviously, that's not what you asked the genie for. But there are certain things that come up, you know, careful what you wish for. It's going to be, what what did we figure out? It's going to be really dark until about 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. And here in at least here in St. Louis. So is everyone prepared for that? It'll be lighter later and we won't have to switch anything. But is everyone okay with that? Show of hands around the room. I, yeah? okay. I'm okay. I don't now. know. <laughs> I don't know. Here we go. Here we it's, go. I, I hate, hate it. I know, but you can't you can't have everything. Well, and I think you'll hate it because you have a, a child, right? You'll be you'll be sitting out there in the dark. Yeah, I mean, I guess I will. Yeah, but, well, so yeah. here's. But I'm I'm signing up for it. Okay. 
Yeah. The caveat, because there's always one, this federal law, which was signed in 1966, doesn't allow states to make daylight saving time permanent. However, this is why the, the bill heard Wednesday would act as a trigger law, which means it would only go into effect if Congress allows it through a federal law. There's so many okay. hoops that have to be so I through. so they yeah. can make it regular standard time all year round, but they can't make it daylight savings time all year round. Is is it is it like this in other countries? I mean, do we have to go? Is it for our own good to make sure that we don't do something and then realize, uh oh, I didn't realize it was going to be dark until eight a.m. You know, are we are we is the process like this to protect us from ourselves? I, I mean. Or is it just like this because. I mean, the process from protecting us. I mean, we're the ones that have made all these laws to begin with. Right. So I don't know that we're protecting ourselves from ourselves. Well, at least to, to make it so that we we fully understand what we're doing, draw out the You're process. You're talking about just laws in laws general. Laws in general. Not just time zones. Yeah, not just time. No. Because China has one time zone. Yeah. Is that true? It I is. still don't think that's it's true. true. Why would? Why do you disagree? They used to say it about Russia, but it's not true. It, that's not true. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody says split the difference between daylight savings time and nine uh, yeah, by great. a half hour. By a half yeah. hour. Yeah. <laughs> oh, now, we're t- now we're talking. I would but, just assume yeah. keep standard time, the regular time you're around, leave time alone. Uh, this is cool. And uh, our sports commission, the St. Louis Sports Commission, they do a fantastic job. It's been around since 1989. It's an independent nonprofit organization focused on prom- promoting sports in our region, of course, attracting and hosting major sports here locally. But they have put bids in to have the regional host in an array of NCAA championship events in the upcoming year. So I'm just going to give you the list, and I'm crossing my fingers. Uh, 2026-27 Division One Women's Volleyball Championships, which I don't think we've ever hosted. That would be at Enterprise Center. Division One Wrestling Championships, which we have had in the past. That's, We're like almost the the hub of mm, of of wrestling. We we get that tournament quite a bit. Well, this is for 2027, so we don't have it in 2026, and I don't think we have it for 2025. But this is why we have the Sports Commission to put in the bids for it. The 27, 28, and 28 Division I Men's Basketball Regional, uh, the Women's Basketball Regional for that same time. Now, the men's would be proposed at uh, Enterprise. The women, Chaffetz Arena, 2027, 28 Division I Men's Hockey, that would be out at Centene Community Ice Center, which seems like a great place for that. We have so many fantastic places. They also put in the bid for the women's Frozen Four Ice Tournament, 27 and 28, which would be at Centene. The 27 and 28 Women's Gymnastic Championships. And then uh, Division Two Wrestling Championships. So I'm so happy that we have them working on us. I guess uh, the NCAA will name the event sites for the competitions on October 2nd of this year. So cross our fingers because, really, when we hold these championships, it means great things 
for the reason, region. The Sports Commission said it has helped bring 41 NCAA championship events to St. Louis, and that's generated more than $500 million in economic impact locally since its founding, which is a pretty big deal. Dating back to the Keel Center, mm-hmm. the NCAA Wrestling Championship has been held in St. Louis. I'm just going back to 2000. In 2000, 2004, 2005, yeah. 2008, 9, 2012, 2015. I thought you were saying it's always here. Yeah, it's been here a lot. It's here a lot. Uh-huh. And and this is this is the arenas that it was in. It was in the Enterprise Center. It was in the Scott Trade Center. It was in the Savas Center. It was in the <laughs> Keel Center. All the same building. It's 10 minutes before 5. We were talking about when you know you're middle-aged yesterday, and I can tell you this. I have a pulled, like, muscle, and it's a muscle I guess I've never used before. The good news is at Club Fitness, they have red light therapy, which is supposed to be the latest and greatest when it comes to, you know, getting back on your feet. I've read so many great things about that. Club Fitness really is the ultimate fitness experience because it offers a little bit of everything. If you're that person that wants a, a smaller kind of boutique feel, well, they've got all of those studios, the Pulse Studio. They've got the Burn Zone, the Cycle Studio. But if you like group exercises, you want to be in that room and feel the energy with everybody, they have more than 400 classes to choose from. And then if it's more about the rejuvenation and the, you know, getting your body feeling good again, they've got dry saunas, they've got the hydro lounge, they've got that red light therapy. So there really is something for everybody. And there are 19 area locations. So chances are you have one near you, each one open 24 hours a day. You can learn more clubfitness.us. Well, the moon lander is on the moon. However, I'm not sure it is situated the way they want it. Alex Stone, ABC News correspondent in L.A., joins us with the latest on this. What do we know at this point? It, it tilted over a little bit? Yeah, so they, they made the announcement, actually, that they're still holding the, the briefing right now. And they, they did a whole probably 10 minutes about how amazing it is and everything looks incredible and that it had a soft landing and the solar panels are working and it's sending back data And then they went, oh, but by the way, a foot caught on the lunar surface as it was landing, and it tipped over on its side. And it's laying on its side, and it was like, oh, okay. But they they say that uh, at least the way that it went down, the solar panels are facing toward the sun. It's 100% charged. Science on board is working. It is communicating. But the the good part of the announcement was this. The vehicle is uh, stable uh, near or at our intended landing site. Uh, we do have communications. It is communicating, although they've had problems. They haven't been able to send back any photos yet because they're on the dark side of the moon. It's got to go to the Deep Space Network and get back. They haven't been able to do that. They're working on that. Um, but they say, look, that this is pretty incredible that it was going 25,000 miles an hour. They had to slow it down to two miles an hour to make it land in a mountainous area of the South Pole where no lander has ever been. We've never seen close-up photos of the ice in that area. So they are seeing this as a big success. This is the first one of many to uh, move down the line toward maybe getting humans back by the the end of the decade. Um, And they like this area because there is ice. That could be drinking water for humans to be there. That could be rocket fuel. And why would they want rocket fuel? The the company that built this uh, thing, uh, Odie as they call it, Odysseus, Uh, Tim Crane with the the company saying this. The moon has one-sixth the gravity of Earth and no atmosphere. 
so it's a much easier place to launch deeper into the solar system. It really is the launching pad into human exploration out into deep space. So that is why they want to make rocket fuel on the moon so then they can turn it into like Chicago O'Hare of, of space travel and, and turn it into a hub that you would go to the moon or astronauts would go to the moon and then uh, launch from there to go deeper into space. But, uh, but this is the first step. And uh, for the first time since 1972, there is a U.S. spacecraft on the moon. Wow. Now, did NASA have any hand in this? Well, they did in several ways. They had payload that was on board that actually saved this thing. Uh, and then, yes, there is a partnership, whether it be with SpaceX or uh, yeah, with Boeing or Blue Origin or any of these, that NASA does play a role in it. But this is a private company that uh, used their money and the money that they raised to create this program as a money-making venture. Um, but in the end, their navigation system pooped out as they were uh, getting close to the moon and it looked like that this whole thing may be over, and they figured out they, they sent it on one more orbit of the moon and then rewrote the lander's onboard software because there was an experimental instrument on board that NASA paid rent to put on there to be just a, a test thing, a payload that, that was on this, and they actually put it into play, and they used that uh, system that was experimental. It's called Navigational Doppler LiDAR to actually – bring this thing in for a landing so nasa's system that was there only for testing and not to be used actually ended up saving this mission in the end mm. and then they were able to land interesting so connor here in the studio showed me a picture of what what it looks like up there and it did tip over it looks like a couple of uh alien you know no good nicks went up there and did some <laughs> lunar tipping uh but does it have the full capabilities of what it was supposed to be doing now that it's tipped over on its side, Alex? They're up there stealing parts off of it right yeah. now and putting it up on blocks. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, they say that it can do everything it needs to do. It was not expected to last more than a couple of days. This was not going to roam around to do anything. This was about landing. The next one will be about exploring and fixing this tipping uh, problem. And, in fact, Columbia, the company that makes jackets and snow gear and stuff, they were the ones who actually built a blanket that is protecting it from the extreme cold and extreme heat from the sun. So they've got technology on board as well called Omni Heat. Um, so it says Columbia all over this thing, just like if you went to Dick's Sporting Goods and, and bought a jacket. Um, so there's a lot of components that they are testing out on this, but it, it was only going to last a few days. They've got some science projects on board. The, the batteries are working, and they say it doesn't really need to be upright. Would it have been a better story? And originally what they were saying, it was upright. That, yeah, then everything would have been perfect, but, but they say it doesn't really matter. All right, Alex, I know you're covering this story, but we heard at the top of the hour, ABC News, you're also covering the Major League Baseball see-through pants debacle. <laughs> and it does seem exactly like that. I mean, they had to have tested these a hundred times before they sent them to players. Do you remember when Lululemon had that problem yes. of like yeah. women oh, yeah. who they, they would bend over and they were like, oops, that, you, don't, you don't want to do that in these pants. Yeah, the, the uh, players are complaining about it. It's spring training right now that the, the pants are see-through. These are, like, made by – designed by Nike but made by Fanatics, which I didn't even know Fanatics. I just thought that was a website where you order, like, college, you know, hoodies. Right. I didn't know that they make gear. Um, but it, it, this performance stuff that, like, is stretchy, and apparently when you're wearing your home uniform and it's white pants, you can see right through them, not to mention – the, the players don't like how the pants fit, how the shirts fit, the, the jerseys fit. They say they, they look like 
minor league or little league jerseys and the numbers look all weird in the printing. They said they got to be careful because when they do the sewn on numbers and, and letters, they're so heavy and this is so light that it like pulls it down <laughs> and it gets all baggy at the bottom. So there are problems with it. Major League Baseball says they're working on it, that they won't go into the regular season without the players liking what they're wearing. But right now you can see through the pants. I mean, this just seems ridiculous. Who are the consultants on this thing that made it this far? Right. And you then get the fit of it. And they said they're changing the inseam and how tight it is and all this. They would have figured that out before Major League Baseball players were wearing it. But, no, the players are out there and – some of them, I mean, if you heard in the piece, some of them are actually joking around now that they're going to go to Dick's Sporting Goods and just buy their own, you know, like little league pants that are thick. And because they, they don't want you see in their underwear and, you know, cup and everything else underneath. Yep. Well, you know what they say, Alex, if it ain't broke, make it cheaper. <laughs> <laughs> and more athletic, apparently. Yeah. Alex Stone, thank you. Have a great weekend. You too. Thanks, guys. Later. I love that sound. We are getting so close to the weekend. Not yet, though. Not yet for us. We've got another hour. We've got the top five at five. We've got some entertainment news. And then we'll wrap this show up with some random. So I hope you'll continue to hang out with us for a little while longer here on the Big 550 KTRS. And now, and now, the, the top, top five at five. 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 News five. from around the room. Heidi, I've noticed something odd going on. Oh. And it dated back to, I went out west to San Diego to visit my in-laws. Mm-hmm. And my little niece had just lost a tooth. Oh. And guess how much she got from the tooth fairy? Five bucks. No. Oh. <laughs> Ah, if only. $20. 20 bucks for one tooth? For one tooth. Whoa. And it brought up the conversation. That is pricey. Was it a gold tooth? How much do kids get from the tooth fairy these days? Well, a, a dental group. $5 was a lot. I know. Dental group has put out their annual tooth fairy poll, and they found that the national average is now $5.84 per tooth. Which is interesting because it's down from what it was last year. What was it last year? $6.23. Down a whopping $0.39 cents from last year, which was an all-time high. But it's still up nearly 2 bucks from four years ago pre-pandemic. Did the pandemic bring inflation in everything, not just at the grocery store, but also under our pillows? Kids in the West get the biggest payouts at $8.54 per tooth. I could see that. Northeast is next to $6.87. The South is the third with $5.51. And the Midwest is the lowest at just $3.63 a tooth. I think that the Midwest is the lowest because we are the most sensible ones. What do you think? And we're not at, out in the West. Average of eight dollars per tooth in the West. Is it that's, everything more expensive in the West? Right, but that's I don't I don't think the tooth was ever meant to to be uh, any sort of cash windfall. I think it was supposed to just be a, a fun little, you know, 
Hey, oh, yeah, put your tooth under it and you get a quarter. How much did you get when you were a kid, Heidi? I, I'd say maybe $2. Two bucks? That's what In I the was... 70s and 80s? Well, it would be the 80s. I was born in 73. <laughs> when, wait, when did kids start losing their teeth? Yeah, probably uh, second grade, first grade. They say over the past 26 years, the average tooth fairy payout has surged 349% from $1.30 26 years ago, which would have been late 90s, to five eighty four per tooth this year. And they say if it continues this growth rate by 2050, kids are going to be getting 30 bucks under their pillow Surely for a Surely it tooth. won't, right? How many teeth are in our mouths? I'm just going to have to call my wife and just say, hey, we need to start a tooth fund. Now. Now. Tooth savings fund. Set, set up something with the uh, tooth fairy. My aunt just texted me. She's uh, a teacher. One of her students got $25. So maybe not in the Midwest. We're not that smart. Don't, don't they, what are they even doing with the money? With the, the kids. They save it. You got a oh, piggy they save, bank. Save yeah, it. They save it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't. Don't the people responsible know the tooth fairy? How many teeth are in a mouth? You know, you set these high expectations. What if you give a dollar the next time? You are even tight about this. <laughs> I mean, I'm at with what Josh. Point? I mean, hold on, that's crazy. There's a lot of teeth. There's a lot, a lot of, teeth of teeth going here. They you're don't all put me fall in the out at once. Be, yeah, you're well, going to be know, out several hundred dollars here. How but, many teeth are there? Well, and doesn't the tooth fairy, like the first one's obviously Is that the more big expensive. One? I'm, but and then I don't as know. you get to the back teeth, eh. Oh, the back teeth? Yeah. They're not worth? I would think those are the most important teeth. Well, have you talked to the tooth fairy? It's not your decision. <laughs> I think you got to have like a sliding scale. Yeah. Like Two front teeth are those are worth ten. But me, the, can I see a graph of what the teeth are worth? Yeah, the molars are only worth one dollar. Yeah. How many teeth are there, Connor? What does it, it says say? adults have thirty-two, so I don't think that's how many they lose. Right. But uh, let me just go There's ahead, a good amount, and just say twenty-six. If a kid loses twenty-six teeth times thirty bucks, that's seven hundred and eighty dollars. Well, it, again, <laughs> it's not happening in one night. Over the course of uh, a year and a half, two years. How long does it take for kids to lose their teeth? It depends. When do they start? Losing their teeth? Yeah. I would say first grade, second grade. When do they get their teeth? Just Finn has teeth, right? Oh, yeah, he's got teeth. He's got all of them in? Yeah. Well, he's got, yeah, he's got a bunch of them. No. Most of them. Know. Yeah. Uh, I haven't looked in the very back. Yeah. Stick your finger in there and see what happens. Speaking of uh, kids, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child, and I love this concept. Um, And based on that idea, a dementia care village in England has incorporated a day nursing, a day nursery for small kids, bringing together young and old for learning and sharing, stimulation, learning, and fun. All activities that are known to delay the progression of dementia. And what better way to add these critical elements of life than to a daily regimen of preschoolers coming into the place? The Pioneer facility supports older people to live their lives independently with access to several shops and services right there on site. Children feature in the daily life of resident tenants enjoying experiences together that include shared meals, stories, arts and crafts. They even do exercises together. Now, a similar project 
was done here in the States, the Intergenerational Learning Center in Seattle opened its doors to the oldest and the youngest back in 2015. The 400 adults in the assisted living center joined the kids in all kinds of daily activities from music to dancing to storytelling and just plain visiting. I guess a filmmaker did a documentary about the Washington uh, facility, and it just portrays the experience of aging, both growing up and growing old, which I think is an Mm. interesting one. Hmm. Right? It's a good concept. Yeah. No, it is. I'm trying to think of how I can get Finn to go to an old folks home instead of sending him to daycare. And I I think he could learn a lot and do some good work. Marsha just sent us both a text. Now, your wife, uh the tooth fairy is going to start pointing out the discrepancies between the haves and the half nots. Yeah. 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 How much did you get? Oh, I got 50 bucks. And this watch. Yeah. Yeah. I I got an iPod. (laughs) I got an iPhone. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you get? I got two dollars. Yeah. (laughs) Got to learn some point. Uh, all right. In Antarctica, we are about to leave winter, but they are about to start their winter. They're in the southern, southern hemisphere. Yeah. Uh, it's winter is about to start there for the next seven months, it says. And when they start, they're completely cut off. And they've been running an experiment, an experiment at the research centers there for the past couple of years, having the people that are stationed there repeat the same set of words every week while they're stationed there in the winters. And they found that... There is an Antarctic accent developing, an Antarctic accent of English that is separate from the other accents of English currently around right now. And they think this, you know, the, the study is to try to see how there was the America-British split back in the day huh. from English accents. They're so cut off they don't they don't communicate right. with anyone else. They don't communicate with the you know the rest of the world. Satellite phones don't really work. They only speak to each other. The accent is changing, and they have their own slang, and they have a different different way of talking now. Interesting. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, I agree. Is it just Americans, or are there No, so other... that's part of the reason why they yeah. say it's changing. It's, it's a bunch of different backgrounds. Some people are Welsh. Some people are, you know, German. Uh, and they say that's kind of how they think new accents have formed, like in London – there was the existing accent, and then a lot of people from the Caribbean moved there, and mm. it kind of changed the accent altogether. So yeah. that's kind of – it's a collection of people that all speak English but differently, and now they're all changing each other's English accent. So how hmm. about that? I wonder what the Antarctic accent – They have an example. It's going to sound like. They say it's very subtle right now because normally it takes – they say generations right. before it's really noticeable. Sure. Uh, the OU sound in flow or so has moved more to the front of the mouth. So, flu. Oh. So. Sue. That's Sue. the best example they have. That's the most apparent one. But they also, I guess, they're linguists, right? They run diagnostics. They can tell that there are other shifts happening. It is interesting how we have different acts, like the South and my twang, or you go to Minnesota and you have that, or to Boston and how that becomes a thing. By the way, my uh, aunt said she's had some kids lose teeth in kindergarten. First and second grade are probably most prevalent. I remember being in third grade taking a multiplication tables test 
and wiggling one of my teeth. That's a that's a memory that is that is burned into my brain. Oh yeah, weren't you so excited to Whatever lose that reason. first tooth? By the way, uh, Linda said that Delmar Gardens does the mixing of preschoolers and seniors often, so that's cool. Yeah, that right is right cool. here. Um, <clears throat> but the uh, the people in like Minnesota and Wisconsin mm-hmm. isn't that like a like a Scandinavian thing? I think it's influenced by it. I think, the, yeah, the, the article is really goes like into the it, really into depth. They say there are other places that this happens. It's too long for me to get into, but right. it's it's wherever kind of uh, another language meets a uh, English or whatever other base right. language you think kind of, of. It kind of shifts it into what it is now, and I think they think Southern accent is actually in some places closer to what how they sounded back in revolutionary days oh yeah. so, cool and it's actually the the north the north accent that adjusted and changed hmm. oh that's fascinating and like louisiana is cajun is mm-hmm. french yeah there's a french yeah. french, aspect. french aspect to it survey of 2000 us adults re- uh, revealed that aside from their job they think that they do about 134 bucks worth of work every day whether it's cleaning cooking driving you name it, when you leave here or when you uh, before you get here, mm-hmm. what are you doing? And is there a dollar amount that you could put on that? They say $134. The average respondent spends 35 bucks on any given day. How much do you think you spend every day? I'd say that's about right. 35 bucks. Yeah. There are Depending some days on... that go by where I don't spend anything. Mm, that's rare. Well, you guys don't. You guys go to you guys go to the grocery store every other day. Do you not have to extrapolate the grocery purchases? You know, if you spent two hundred on the weekend, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. Does that mean you spent zero uh, we're, we're on talking, Wednesday? Now we're talking averaging. Okay, but, so it's literally just whatever you spent that day. Yeah. So thirty-five bucks is that what is that what we spend every day? Do you, do people buy lunch every day? Some do. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just like. Uh, We've been brown bagging it because we've been doing a lot of food prep. But lunch these days, you go over to bread company, it's gonna be twelve bucks, right? Yeah. What do you what do you spend when you go to the Connor goes to the gas station and and gets like the the sandwiches and yeah. the taquitos and stuff? Uh normally it's under six bucks. Under six bucks. Yeah. It's on the gas station. Keep it at. And if you go to is it Quick Trip that has those kitchens? Oh yeah, it's Quick Trip that's, that has the good food. That's good stuff. Yeah. I've had that. Um, so you could probably get a, a good lunch under six bucks mm-hmm. in certain places, but 35 bucks a day. That's what people are saying that they basically spend every day. And I don't, I don't think I would necessarily be charging anybody $134 for what I do outside of work. You mean the it's... dishes? I mean, that takes me what? Six minutes driving home. 20 minutes for a car ride? What, yeah. what would Uber charge you for that? 25 bucks? From here to your house? Yeah. No, probably 45. Really? Maybe more. Oh. Okay. Do you not Uber often? No, not really. Oh. It's really uh, gotten pricey. It's I yeah, I would yeah. say I don't really go out that much. Maybe even 55 bucks yeah. to get Really? Your, to get yeah. to Heidi's house probably. Uh-huh. Yeah. Wow. But we're about it takes you probably 20 minutes to get home. 22 minutes door to door. Takes me 24 if there's no traffic. Oh, cool. Yeah. Which there always always is. Uh, yesterday was oh. uh, really smooth sailing, oh. is what I would say. 
This is uh, interesting. Stephanie Barstow's cat, who sh- she got in 2015, disappeared in 2017. After months of searching for the cat, she tried to accept that she may never see the cat again. And then in December of 2023, mind you, I just said the cat disappeared in 2017. There was a knock at her door. It was a vet telling her that her cat had been found in a factory. She said when she first opened the door, she thought it was a debt collector or someone like that because she asked me to confirm my name and she started panicking. She asked me if I was the owner of a cat called Duke, and I couldn't believe it. She told me that he had been found 300 yards away from her home at a factory, and... This woman was absolutely shocked, and she just completely broke down. She believes that Duke didn't come home that night in 2017 due to having a little fight with, I guess, his brother, another cat. And then she had also given birth, so there was a lot of change going on, and we know cats don't really like change. She said she was depressed. She was stressed out. She feared that Duke was maybe in danger after a fox killed a neighbor's cat. After eight months of searching the neighborhood and the surrounding areas, she decided to give up searching and started hoping that Duke would just someday return on his own. The vet tried to find the woman through the microchip, but the phone number was outdated and no longer belonged to Jennifer. Thankfully, the vet recognized the cat due to his white paws and facial markings and She tried to call several times. The phone number didn't work. So she drove to this woman's house. The vet told us that Duke had been taken in by the staff at the factory this entire time. Now, I guess this is a happy ending, but Jennifer decided it would be best for Duke to go to a new home because since he left, she has welcomed another child. They now have a dog. And she said she felt like if she brought Duke home, he would try to return to the factory, which was no longer a safe place. But now she does get regular updates from Duke's new owner and knows that her former pet is happy and safe. Isn't that kind of the crazy one? Like right there, 300 feet from the house, and you've searched everywhere the whole time looking for that cat. Did you see that one where there's a dog that got lost and like six months later he keeps showing up on trail cams and he's happy and healthy? And was this fine? the one who was like roaming with coyotes or was this a different one? No, he wasn't roaming with coyotes. Uh, it was just recently. I saw. I was just reading the headline and delved deep, too deep into the story. But it makes you realize that these animals mm-hmm. are just that and they could probably survive out in the wild if they had to. What do they Some say? Of them. Could Georgie waffle, could could waffle survive out in the wild? Yeah, we're not going to try that at home. I don't know, but they say that, that cats, it takes them about like seven seconds to turn into feral. Feral. I don't you... <laughs> think that's true. Uh, I think that's hogs, I, pigs, they say that about. Uh, I, I also don't know if that's you true. You leave a cat outside, I think it'll turn feral pretty quickly. I Mm. Ask Connor, ask the vet this weekend. I will, but how I, long does it my take? My suspicion is that it will not be seven seconds. Well, so. it's more like, you know, a couple of days. Yeah. yeah. You know, get Maybe. Back, go back to 
to its, its well, what roots. What if they've never been that way? What if they lived, you know? It's in ingrained. It's inherent. It's inherent. It's ingrained, you know? That's the mm. thing. You don't like me. Like, I'm ingrained. You're a hunter. To uh-huh. hunt uh-huh. pizza. Okay. Is that what That's, that's, that's what, what you're I, looking yes, for. I walk by and ding, you know, bings off it. Whoa, there's pizza near. I did just see there's a new pizza place going into the Central West End. There is? Mm-hmm. Is it Vi? I'll have to Google it again. And what is, uh, anybody ever go to that one down at the uh, the foundry? The sugar fire people did uh, cold beer, hot pizza? That's not the foundry. That's not? Uh-uh. Where's that at? That's at in the... Uh, where the old pie pizzeria used to be in the MX oh, downtown. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Either way, they're both city limits. Uh, <laughs> Not. No. But that's, that's like if you're going out for pizza. But if you need pizza at home and you just need what I call bunker pizzas, the break glass in case of emergency pizza, you want to go with Dogtown Pizza because that is tried and true. And I don't know how many times I've run into people and they, oh, you're Josh from KTRS? Yeah, that's me. Oh, my gosh, we just had a dog town yesterday. People come in and they win prizes from Carney Show and I help them out and they say, are you Josh? And I say, how'd you know? They say, oh, I could tell from your voice. And we just had a hot chicken pizza from Dogtown. So people are out there. They're trying it. They're taking the recommendation. And I think you should, too. Eleven different varieties. Pepperoni, pepperoni. Try it. It's my favorite. might not be yours, but it's my favorite. Uh, but you can also do sausage and pepperoni. You just do straight-up pepperoni. I think right now the most we have is pepperoni, pepperoni, and just straight-up pepperoni because that's Finn's favorite. Somebody says, I finally ate my first Dogtown Pizza Ultimate Pepperoni. It was awesome. See? Yep. And the question is, what were you waiting for? Every local grocery store in town, plus the smaller markets, has it too. And you can even find it in... Remember, I told you somebody in, like, Naples said that they were shopping in a grocery store and ran across Dogtown Pizza. So even as far flung as Naples, Italy, no, Naples, Florida, you can find it soon, soon to be found in Naples, Italy. Let's go to some entertainment news. Usher is confirming rumors that he did indeed ask Justin Bieber to perform with him at the Super Bowl. Explaining that things just didn't work out and there are no hard feelings. In fact, another collaboration between the two might be on the horizon. Wait, didn't they show Bieber in the stands? Yeah, they did. So, uh... That's what didn't work out. He wanted to watch the game. (laughs) (laughs) But hasn't he been struggling with something? I think it was probably more about rehearsal time. And doing all that. He's been battling something. Um, Lionel Richie regrets not asking Madonna to sing with Cyndi Lauper on We Are the World. Have you guys watched that documentary yet? No, I know. so good. He said that he chose Lauper over Madonna at the time, but now realizes he made a mistake in not having both women on the 1985 star-studded track. Now, what was Madonna doing in 85? Was she... The Madonna that we know today. Yeah, I mean, she was the material, material girl. girl. Absolutely. And was like a virgin. That album was out. It was out. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Dolly Parton's Pet Gala came out uh, Wednesday on Paramount Plus, and it was kind of cute. Everybody in attendance had a blast, and then uh, you had all the cute animals, 
And Dolly performed with both Lainey Wilson and Carly Pierce. So if you want to go back and watch that, you can. But in other Dolly news, she wants to hold a Finding Dolly contest to cast her in an upcoming Broadway musical. She said right now she's working on her life story as a musical that she hopes to see the dream come true by late 2025. Speaking of Dolly, uh, Connor, were you able to find this new song she has with Pitbull? I was. So, I mean, the woman does not stop. What did you just say? So she has released a (laughs) collaboration with Pitbull. It's called Powerful Women. Dolly even raps a little bit. Check it out. Where's the rap part? Well, she has a verse, but the verse is longer than the chorus. Remember when? Remember when? Blondie, Debbie Harry rapped in Rapture. It was so bad. I don't know that I do. Do you remember Rapture by Blondie? Yeah, but I'm trying to think of what that sounds like. It was, it's really I, bad. I think that's fun right there. It's fun. I don't know if it's a rap. It's, maybe it, it's close, but she she kind of talks fast in a rhyming sort of way. Dolly? Mm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe we'll find it for the end. Some notable Hillman alums are embarking on a national tour of historically black colleges and university in a celebration of a different world's 35-plus year legacy. The cast is reuniting for a national 10-city tour across HBCUs. The stars will be joined by producers Debbie Allen and Susan Fells. Participation in the tour will help raise funds for scholarships. Our mission goes beyond nostalgia. We're on a quest to raise awareness and enrollment for HBCUs nationwide. Uh, Hillman. Wasn't yeah. that... Uh, that was the school that they were all at, a different world. But it's a... Is it a... It's a fake college? It's a real college? I thought it was fake yeah. for the show, but I could be wrong. I think that in the in the Cosby universe, that's... That's like the college that they all go to. Yes, it is. This was yeah. a spinoff. Yeah. That is true. Is Debbie Allen Felicia Rashad's sister? Yes. Yeah. Comedians and musicians sometimes ask for crazy things in their tour writers. Kevin Hart wasn't super demanding on his recent reality check tour. His writer contained basic stuff aside from the four man-scented candles that are listed under the heading Very Important. He also demands that there not be any traffic on his way to or from the venue. Well, how can you guarantee that? All right. Well, here's how. The writer states that, quote, under no circumstances are vehicles to be allowed to encounter any delays due to traffic. Now, out of the control of anyone. However, cops can help. So police escorts must be arranged in order to facilitate artists' vehicle Arriving to and departure from the vehicle escort must be empowered to route vehicles through any potential traffic delay. Who is this, Kevin Hart? Yeah. Give me a break. Eva Longoria is now joining season four of Only Murders in the Building. Meryl Streep, Eva Longoria. uh, There's somebody else that just signed on. Who's watching it? Connor, are you watching it? I watch it. It's good. Yeah, I've watched it. Heidi watched it it when she was sick, right? Yeah, I've watched several episodes. Yeah. First season, first season, season. Yeah. By the way, we finished Griselda last night. Holy 
Lee Cow. That's Sofia Vergara. Yes, she's the. She deserves some sort of award for it. So they did. They did. They dropped them all at once. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a slow. And it's only six. Mm. Okay. So it's a. I would say easy watch, but it's not exactly easy. I like the traditional weekly drop. To each their own. I'm with you. I don't. Go back, go back to the old days. Something to talk about. It um, takes is, too long to remember what happened. That's why at the beginning of every episode they have that recap. <laughs> yeah, the recap. Yeah. Here's what happened last yeah, time. Here's what happened last time on Griselda. Yeah. Paramount Plus has renewed the Frasier reboot for a second season. I'm kind of surprised because I didn't they think... They said it was terrible. Exactly. Maybe they're giving it just another shot. Quinta Brunson, Brunson from Abbott Elementary. You know, she writes it. She stars in it. She wants to do a comedy about the TSA, which I'm surprised nobody has. Is there not? Oh, that's prime. Right. Prime Pickens. I think so, too. The popularity of Yellowstone has led to a cowboy reality show. Peacock is releasing a reality series about a real-life ranch family here in Missouri. Have you noticed that people are dressing more ranchy than ever because of this show? Like cowboy boots? What are you talking about? How do you mean? Kinda. Kinda. I was just, we were out to dinner the other day, and I looked around, and I was like, I feel like people are more ranchy than ever. Could be. Or you just notice it. It's kind of like when you mention a certain car, and then all of a sudden it's the only car you see. Bader-Meinhof Bader-Meinhof. Yes. Anyway, this... uh, reality cowboy show called the McBee Dynasty, Real American Cowboys. The McBee family runs a ranch and cattle business somewhere in rural Missouri. i got to look it up. Their business is at risk of financial ruin while they also hope to expand. There's also a sibling drama between brothers who want to take over control of the ranch from their father. The official series description promises, quote, a roller coaster ride of ambition and betrayal. The McBee Dynasty Premieres Monday, March 11th. All episodes will be available to stream on Peacock. But if you are more old school, like Josh and Connor, you can catch it on the USA Network with new episodes airing weekly. Every week. So give it your own. I think that's an interesting kind of experiment. They're doing both. So if you were to start it on the weekly episode and you really liked it, would you then go and watch the second one or would you wait if you know, it was honey, available? If we, if we bought Peacock, we could finish this uh-huh. thing tonight. Well, now streaming on Max, Priscilla. That's the Elvis and Priscilla Presley story with Jacob Elordi. Tomorrow on Netflix, the 30th Annual Screen Actors Guild Award. That's where the actors actually vote on the actors. I like that one. And they always start it. With an actor close up, and they kind of tell a story, and and I am an actor, which is oh yeah, funny. yeah. I don't know if I've ever actually watched a sad show. I like them. Shane Gillis, who I have no idea who that is, is hosting Saturday Night Live. Is he a comedian? Who, who is it? Shane, Shane Gillis. Shane Gillis. Mm-hmm. Oh. Twenty One Savage is the musical guest. And then Sunday on ABC, American Idol auditions. We haven't really talked about Ricky Prohl's son. Is he good? He got through. So Ricky Prohl has a son, Austin, who's on the Battlehawks. Okay. At least he was. I don't know if he will be again now that the season's kicking off here. But there's another son who was drafted by the Vikings 
and through, I think, a couple of different injuries. Now he's out of the league, and he went on Idol, and he's on the show. I have to see how good he is. Finally, some birthdays worth mentioning. Dakota Fanning is 30. Niecy Nash is 54. And Kristen Davis, you remember Charlotte on Sex and the City? She's 59. That's your evening entertainment report here on the Big 550 KTRS. I always kind of liked the Charlotte storylines. You did? I thought they were kind of fun. She's so innocent and sweet, but not actually. Really? Yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I looked it up while we're still in the Hollywood. You had mentioned that uh, Drew Barrymore for her birthday had mm-hmm. the Facts of Life girls on. Minus, yes. Minus Tootie. Mm-hmm. Kim Fields. I said, remember Natalie's boyfriend, Snake? Yeah. And you ask if he was fake. If he was fake or real. He's a real guy played by the same guy that played Damone from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. So if you were wondering if Natalie's boyfriend Snake was real, yeah, it was Damone from Fast Times. And he could probably get you some Blue Oyster Cult tickets. Anyway, your taxes are coming up. Mm. Okay? Yeah. I know. Thanks for the reminder. You just winced when I said I know. that. It is, just, it, is it bad? <laughs> is Death it and be taxes. Bad? I don't know. I just hate gathering all the information. I hate legwork that well, goes into it. Here's the good thing. You got a guy now. I do have a guy. And his name is Jeff Zufall. My sister has a guy. He's my guy, too. Yeah. He's a good guy. My parents. Got a guy. Got a guy. It's Jeff Zufall. I'm going to have to try to get my sister to go over there. See what my brother's doing. See if he wants a guy. Jeff Zufall is that guy, and they've got a bunch of guys and gals in the office, too, to work on your stuff. And Jeff and I, we do a show on the weekends, and that's beautiful because I can go home and tell my wife all these different things about taxes and everything. But unless you do a radio show with a tax guy every week, how else are you going to know any of this stuff exists? So the best way to save money on your taxes, or as I like to say, keep money, because the show is called Keep What's Yours, Best way to keep money is to get a guy to help you do your taxes and take advantage of the tax code the way that it was written, and you can do that with Jeff Zufall. Capital Advisory Group, capitaladvisorygrp.com, 636-394-5524. And I always say this every year, why would you ever want to waste your weekends in March and April Trying to do your own taxes when you can just take it to a guy, Jeff, and he'll do them for you. 636-394-5524, capitaladvisorygrp.com. Oh, really rolling into the weekend with something uplifting. This is Evergreen. It's the theme to A Star is Born, mm-hmm. the one with Barbara Streisand and Chris Christopherson. Yes. In 1978, on this date, Heidi, February 23rd, there was a tie for Song of the Year at the 20th Grammy Awards. Why they couldn't pick between the two songs, I don't know, but it was between this and Debbie Boone's You Light Up <gasps> My Life. You now we're talking. And why did you choose that one instead of You Light Up My we Life? We all know what You Light Up My Life sounds like. I don't know what this is. Did anyone go back and watch the original? Oh, yeah. Well, the, the first remake of mm-hmm. A Star is Born? Exactly. When the new one came out? I, I've still never seen it, but my parents... 
swear by it. I think a lot of people do. I mean, it's Barbara Streisand. All right, shall we wrap this show up with some randoms? Yes. Are you going to play the random music? If I can find it. Oh, oh there we go. Got you. <laughs> there we go. What do you got? All right, Delaware is only split up into three counties, which is the fewest of any state. Oh. Delaware, it's a pretty small state to begin with, though. And someone who's six foot seven mm-hmm. can see about a thousand feet further than someone who's five foot. Seven. Well, that's because everybody else is standing in front of us. Ah. <laughs> no? <laughs> How's the weather up there? Exactly. Well, you guys, thanks for hanging out with us on this Friday afternoon. I hope you have a fantastic weekend, and I hope you meet us right back here at 3 o'clock on Monday. Until then, see if you can put a smile on somebody's face. Thank you.